Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. We're going to read from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now, we have been rec- now that we are reconciled, we will be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to keep your, your Bibles open because we'll be going back and I'm gonna be referencing to it. The reason why I have you guys have your Bibles and the reason why hundreds of years the churches have had pew Bibles is so that we don't become spectators. It's that we become participants in learning God's word and understanding God's word and knowing God's word. So I challenge you, don't leave your Bibles at home collecting dust. Bring them. Please bring them. I will get you one, Sarah. So what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to lean in and I want you to understand that what we just read is straight from the mouth of God. Preserved for us over thousands of years. And think about it. Millions of people have tried to squash what's in this book. They've tried to put it out. First century Christians, think about Saul of Tarsus. He tried to crush the Christian movement. Tried to crush it. But it still stands. So there's something special in this book. So I want to really, really quick highlight a couple things. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Everyone say, I'm weak. I'm weak. You're like, what? I'm not weak. Man, I go to the gym. I did leg day today. No, we're weak. The reason why we're switching it up, I was praying, and here's the main heartbeat. I see a generation dying of individualism. It's all about you. I see a generation dying of individualism because everything revolves around you, me included. So don't, don't hear me trying to preach at you. I'm preaching with you right now. I'm preaching to myself. We live in a generation who would rather save themselves of X, Y, or Z than to go through the pain of saving someone other pain. But look, while we are still weak, Christ died for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Here's what that means. How many of you, your friend has ever asked you for a favor? Any favor. How many of you have said no because the favor was too big? I've said no before. Now imagine your friend comes up to you, best friend, 
I'm talking like soul sisters over here, girls, soul brothers. Like you know this person inside and out. And they say, okay, listen up. I got myself into some big trouble. Remember that time I was in spring break? I went down to Cancun. Well, guess what? I got mixed up with the cartel, and the cartel now is coming after me. And they're right over here. See that guy named Jose? Yeah, he's coming after me. He's going to kill me unless someone else takes my place. Can you do that for me? Can you do me a solid? He'd be like, peace. Now imagine if a complete stranger, better yet, someone who has abused you at school, like who hates you and you hate them. Someone who has called you names, who has put you down, who has stomped on you socially and verbally and maybe even physically. Now imagine if that same person came up to you, said, hey bro, like, you don't know me, my name is such and such, and I was down in Cancun, and I got mixed up with the cartel, and all of a sudden, now they're coming after me, and see that guy, Jose, yeah, he's coming after me, and he's gonna kill me unless someone takes my place. Can you do it? I don't know your name, but I know that you're kind of a fart face. Like, can you do it? It's like, first, you'd be offended that they didn't even know your name. Second, you'd be like, excuse me, but do you not remember all the swirlies that you gave me? Do you not remember, and I'm about to take a bullet for you? Heck no. But this is, this is what Jesus is saying. While we were still weak, meaning we didn't have anything to give, it wasn't a, I'll scratch my back, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't, okay, I'll, I'll pay you back, you'll pay me back, we'll, we'll be good. No, while we were still weak, we didn't have anything to offer. And while we were ungodly, you know what ungodly means? An enemy of God. An enemy of God. Meaning the one who spat on him, who cursed him with our lives, with our words, with our independence. And yet while we were ungodly, he died for us. So Paul says, one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Maybe, maybe I would take the place of my best friend in dire straits. Maybe. Like a hair thin maybe. But forget it for all my enemies. Then down here, verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He was fully human. He could experience all the pain we experienced. He could experience the temptation to say no to God's will. In the garden, he said, God, if there's any way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But that's where our generation stops. We try and find a way out of everything that doesn't have to benefit us. But Jesus takes it a step further. Still in his humanity, he says, but not my will, your will be done. Here's what I mean by that, guys. Whether you think that you're like the greatest friend ever, I want you to realize something. The reason why our world is so broken is because we have more mouths speaking than we do ears listening. And oftentimes, it's our mouths. We want to show people how good we are. We want to impress. We want to impress. So just imagine for a second God's point of view who can hear every single person talking at once about themselves. Like not even just talking about like daily stuff. I'm talking about boasting about themselves. That'd be loud. Or maybe imagine if God felt the little pinprick of every time you or I spoke over someone who really needed to say something. That'd be a lot of pinpricks. That would hurt. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that that is not the Christian way. 
I'm here to tell you today that the Christian way is so radically other-centered that even if your bully came up to you, when someone is so in love with Jesus, the answer is yes. I'm serious. When we think that we can say, oh, no, I really care about someone, but we're texting while they're talking to us. They really don't matter that much. Or we, I really, I'm a good friend, but all of a sudden, I did say yes to this person's party, but they're not as popular. This person asked me to their party only, only a few hours later. I said yes, but I'll just make up an excuse for this person because we really want to be at the popular party. And the list can go on and on and on and on. When we turn our gaze inward, we start losing the center of the gospel. Because Jesus did have the choice to turn inward. God, let this cup pass from me. He did have the choice to say, you know what? All those ungodly people, I'm going to wait till they at least say they're sorry before I go and give my life. Guys, you know that the crucifixion, not only was it the most painful thing a human can endure, the exact nerves in different places that he was in, it was the most painful thing. The Romans were perfectionists at torture. Like, it was the hardest thing to die from. But on top of that, God, Jesus also died from the full and complete wrath of God on every person's sin throughout history. That's why his heart blew up. That's why when, it, when the soldier pierced him, water and blood came out. His heart exploded. Do you think he really wanted to? Like, oh, pff, no big deal. I'm God. You know, it'll be just like a flick on the nose. I'll be good. No. He did this in spite of everything inside of his flesh, saying, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is going to hurt really bad. And on top of that, all the people that he spent three years pouring his life into left him. And the guards stripped him. Standing there, hanging on a tree in Jewish culture was beyond shameful, but let alone being without clothes and having all of your friends disappear and people hurling insults at you all at the same time. And he's looking down at this soldier and he says, he's probably thinking like, I'm doing this for you. And yet this soldier couldn't get past what he wanted or all these other people, no, crucify him, crucify him. We want this because he makes us uncomfortable. That's why they crucified him. The Pharisees were uncomfortable with Jesus' message. They were terrified that he was going to take power and he was going to start taking all of their rules, their self-centered rules, saying, well, this is how you're righteous, a.k.a. only we can do it because we are the full-time vocational ministers. You can't. You can't do all these sacrifices perfectly. And Jesus still went through it. I don't know how, this is, this is a hard moment for me as a pastor right now, to have a whole message prepared and then God say, nope. And then have a burning on my heart that I just can't find the words for. You know what it feels like? Freshman year, this, when I was praying, freshman year in high school, we were running the mile. Ugh, I hate running. Let me do anything other than running please. Like, I would rather bike 10 miles than run a half a mile. I'm not even kidding. I hate it with every part of me. So, like, when, 
when we see like run the good race. I'm like, God, can't I just walk? Like I'll walk passionately. But, but I had run the mile and there was a girl named Monica, didn't really know her, who was an entire lap behind everybody else. Everyone was just sitting down. I was gasping for air, chugging like I couldn't believe. And all these people were like started snickering. Like, huh. And it wasn't loud. It wasn't obnoxious. But it was kind of like looking over there, like, like look at my time, like looking over at the coach's watch, like, yeah, like she can't do it. And right at that moment, I felt her pain. I felt what it's like to have an entire world seemingly against you. And all you're trying is you're trying your best. So I ran across the field and I ran the rest of the lap over. Because it, and I, it tripled my cramp. <laughs> but I looked at her and said, hey, good job. And I walked away. We didn't really have much communication, but senior year, when she signed my yearbook, she wrote that moment in the yearbook. You cared. You cared. Friends, I'm here to tell you there are so many more Monicas in the world. There are so many more people who just need you to care and stop being so selfish. This is not a happy message, I'm sorry. This is not like a, whew, like, let me, let me go break some boards like last week. This is, this is hard. The gospel confronts us because we're supposed to be dead to our sin, and yet we say, Jesus, I'm a follower of you, but let me do my own thing until someone gives me a reason to be good to them. What? Let me just stick with my own crowd, putting on horse blinders as I go through the lunchroom, just getting to the popular table or just getting to my table and sitting down, not giving a rip about what other people think or what other people are doing versus what Jesus did. This is why Paul was so radically changed. It's because Jesus went up to him by name. And that was his whole life. Jesus went into the markets and everyone was passing by this beggar. And Jesus stops and bends down into the dust. And he says, do you want to be made well? And the guy's like, wait, you're asking me a question? You're waiting here for my response? Not just chucking a coin at me? Who are you? And perhaps maybe, just maybe, that the healing first was the emotional and spiritual healing of someone stopping, looking you in the eyes and saying, you matter, before it was his crippled body. Or maybe it was this young man who was laying paralyzed on a mat. And he heard the commotion. He heard what people were doing. But the room was so full that they couldn't get in. And he couldn't move at all. He'd been on that mat his entire life, a barless prison. No one cared about him. People would just kind of drag him there, beg. Who knows? Maybe it was his parents. In missionary work, I've seen parents sell their children to get profit. So who knows, it could have been his parents put him there every day to collect alms so that they could take it. We don't know. But just all of a sudden, four men, and here's my, my mind, I think. I think right before the four men grabbed his mat and walked him to try and get him in, I think he whispered a prayer, Jesus, if you see me, if I matter, show me. Just show me. 
And then four men walk up and they take his mat. They don't say a word. He starts to get nervous. He can't go through the door. They start taking him on the roof. Then he starts getting really nervous. Like, what if they're just doing the same things that they did to me as a kid, just making fun of me because I can't do anything about it? And they rip a hole in the, in the roof and tie ropes to his mat and lower him down. And it's Jesus. And as they're lowering him down, maybe one of the guys said, Jesus brought you to mind. Be healed. And they're lowering down. And he looks at him. And in front of a huge room, obviously the white elephant, the big elephant in the room is that he's paralyzed. That's obvious. But he looks at him first and he says, son. He uses the word son. He doesn't use, hey, cripple, get up. Hey, sinner, stand. He says, son. God took a moment. The almighty, infinite, holy God, now in human form, took a moment to pause and say, son. Right in the middle of his sermon. That's like, poof, something comes down here. What? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. But he's still laying there paralyzed. But I can just picture this man weeping. Because his prayer was answered that someone called him son. That someone said, you're valuable. And then Jesus goes above and beyond. And he grabs his hand and he says, get up and walk. Friends, if we're supposed to be living as Christians, do you know the original word for Christians? It was mini-Christs. That's what the Romans started calling them for the sake of like taunting them. You just all look like mini-Christs because they were radically giving themselves away. If we're supposed to look like mini-Christs and yet we fail, not because we fail to see the people around us, not because we maybe don't have the tools, like, well, Pastor Chase, if I had a lot of money, then I would give to the poor. Of course, I'm a good giving person. But you walk past someone at lunch who was obviously crying, and you go sit down. Are you a giving person? Are you a mini Christ? Are you saying, even though this person is weak and they may even soil my reputation, will I step in and imitate Jesus? And then on top of that, after you do, sometimes we do our good deed. You, you flick a quarter at a homeless guy. <laughs> like I saw this one guy said, I bet you can't hit me with a quarter. And I hit him with a quarter. But then that's it. Like, oh, I feel good. Okay, next. That's kind of like Jesus. Like, son, your sins are forgiven. Like, there's a step and there's steps and there's steps. There's steps to giving yourself away. There's steps. And it's an entire life long. And guess what? It hurts. And here's what I have to say about that. Good. I'm glad. It'll hurt your pride. It'll hurt your reputation. I'm okay with that. And here's why I'm okay with that. Not because I'm just some radical freak who just wants everyone to have a bad day. No, I'm okay with that because the Bible says this. Look at it. Romans 5. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's like being that man, and you rejoice that you've been called, but on top of that, when Jesus says, now pick up your cross and follow me, he wasn't being cute, saying, go wear a cross necklace and some Jesus merch. He was saying, I need you to see the unseen. I need you to hear those who have no voice in this society. 
I need you to get off your self high horse so that you can step down into the loneliness and the depression of this world. There'd be a lot less depression if we had more listening ears. I know it for a fact. When I had depression, I was sitting in the back of the tent, senior year of high school, bawling my eyes out. My story was all over the news for suing my high school. Like people called me like national Christian hero, whatever, and I was bawling my eyes out because I felt hopeless. And my buddy Dustin Virgil came in. He said, Chase, what's up, dude? And he just wept with me. He didn't even try and fix it. He just wept with me. He says, I hear your pain. Let me weep with you. And this is what he was doing. It probably didn't feel comfortable for him. Here's why. Verse 3 of chapter 5. Not only do we rejoice in those things, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces hope, Character and character produces hope, and that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out on us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We rejoice in our suffering. I'm talking suffering. Yes, you might think, oh, I don't suffer. But what about that moment at school where you know you should be connecting with someone who needs you, but it'll cost you? That battle, I know what I should do, but I don't do what I should do, that's suffering. That's internal turmoil. That's the war between the flesh and the spirit, between the things of old that have been buried with Jesus, like we saw in baptisms a while ago, and the things that have been raised to life with Jesus. So when we decide to say, I rejoice in God first, then I rejoice in my suffering, what can man do to me? What reputation can be pulled away from me? It doesn't matter because I've got a hope in God that supersedes everything. Think about it like this. I've, I worked on this illustration, so I'm not going to let it go to waste, even though it's, it was a part of the old sermon. Let me show you. So right here, ugh, here, I'm going to grab this. Hey, uh, can I get a volunteer to grab something? Okay, Mia, come here. Grab this big kiddie pool right here. See the kiddie pool right there in the back? Go ahead and grab that. Cool. This is the sludge of our souls. Thank you, Mia. Okay. Think about it like this. We only want to follow Jesus when there's no suffering. And when there is suffering or temptation, what we do is, you know what? I just want to get it out. I just want to get it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And maybe what we do is we say, I just so focus on my sin. Oh, I'm such a bad person or this or that. And we stop focusing on Jesus. We end up disgusting and empty. But that's what the world is saying is going to fill you, is trying to be yourself. Like, well, I just have to dig deeper in myself. I just have to do this. I just, me, me, me. When we try and dig deeper in ourselves, we will always end up empty and hopeless. But, but, You will 
we'll find out if it works. I've never tried this before, so we'll see. If what we do, hold on, I need, does anyone have like a rag that I can wipe on? Someone? A shirt? I don't know. Oh, Natalie, you're awesome. Thank you. I'll wash this. Oh, that's so gross. Thank you. Okay. But when we choose to follow Jesus and to treasure him, what happens is we start putting our hope in Jesus and letting him overflow in us. And sooner or later, little by little, we begin to become clean. We become clean of our selfishness. We become clean of things that don't belong in the Christian life. And at the end, we're full. We're full of hope. Does that make sense? Come on. It worked. I'm going to have to apologize to my wife when I do the laundry. Here's, here's the whole point of the message, guys. That really had no point because I didn't know where I was going. The point is, to be a Christ follower is to see the unseen. It's to die for your enemies. And it's not to do it passively. Jesus didn't just happen to find himself in a situation where someone was getting crucified and like, who's gonna take his place? No, he chose it. He specifically went to earth for that reason. Do we choose? Do we choose to see people? Do we choose to love people? Do we choose it? My Nana back in the 70s when my grandpa died in an accident. She had to go to Walmart to get a trash bag. They were so poor, they barely had even trash bags to pick up his clothes. And she went literally just a small trash bag. She went up to the cash register and the lady yelled at her, this is all you're getting? Are you kidding me? You're wasting my time. And what my Nana could have said is, my husband just died, so forget you. She said, yeah, how are you doing? My Nana, in the wake of losing her husband, the father of her six children, just said, how are you, to her enemy, in the middle of her pain. That is what it means to be a Christian, is when we choose to take our lives and lay them down for the sake of others, not because it's convenient to us, not because it'll make us popular, and not because we'll get something in return, but because Jesus is worth it, because Jesus is holy, because Jesus is beautiful. When I'm overflowing with his grace, when I'm overflowing because I'm so enamored with Jesus, I don't have time to think of myself. I don't have time to think of myself. All I have time to do is to overflow the love of God unto others. That's what my prayer for you guys is. And the reason why so many of you in this room and maybe even at school that you see are so apathetic toward Jesus 
You couldn't care less? You're like, you know what? I would rather not read my Bible. Like, I'm good. Like, yo, I go to church once a week. I'm fine. The reason why nothing in your heart is burning and satisfied inside of you is because you are drawing from yourself and you're focused on yourself and you're selfish. I thought I'd never say that to a group of students. It sounds mean, but it's the loving truth. One second. So my prayer for you is that you start looking to Jesus and start calling on his name over and over. And you get before Jesus, even if you don't feel like it, even if it feels like suffering to praise him, you do it anyway. Because I promise you, there's a Monica, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe every day of your life. I guarantee you, actually, that there's one every day of your life. You just have been missing it because you've been caught up in your own world. So have I. But if you get yourself before Jesus and you center your life radically on Jesus, then you can't help but overflow. Then you can't help but help the Monica's. Then you can't help but not be hopeless, but hope-filled. So friends, what we're gonna do is I want you to stand up and we're gonna pray the prayer of confession before we sing the song. Yes. Yes, praying for our enemies, that's exactly right. Yes, we even would die for them. That's hard. That's hard, huh? So let's pray this prayer of confession. And if your immediate knee-jerk response is, that pastor doesn't know me, I'm not selfish. Think again. Only selfish people get defensive. Let's pray this prayer of confession before God. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. So as we sing this, I want you to get this mental picture one more time. Mostly because I want to do it again. This is your soul, your spirit, the thing that houses your soul is what's inside. And I want you to position yourself under the love of Jesus. That way when you're walking around school this week, you cannot help but share the love of Jesus. I know it's a lot, right? There's a lot of stuff. Here, let's go sit back on our seat, okay? So, let us sing this song together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.